welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name what matters. Oh, goodness. Hello and welcome. I am so thankful you are joining me for this episode. I know you are about to be too. So today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am joined by author and trauma therapist, Andi Kolber, to discuss some themes from her new book, Strong Like Water, Finding the Freedom, Safety, and Compassion to Move Through Hard Things and Experience True Flourishing. We're going to be discussing themes like what it means for us to redefine strength and how that serves us the importance of felt safety, how to begin building or rebuilding trust with our own good selves, and how to recognize integration in ourselves when it starts to happen. I promise you guys will be blessed six ways from Sunday by this conversation. I know that I was. For those of you who have been listening since the debut of this podcast, you'll know that Andi is our very first returning guest. Um, The second episode of this show is a conversation I had with Andi about her first book, Try Softer. And uh, in that conversation, we really honed in on learning to believe in our own belovedness. So I'm going to link to that conversation in the show notes. And But if you missed it, definitely go back and listen to that one too. You don't need to have listened to it in order to listen to this one. But um, but I promise um, you, you'll be glad you did. Andy Kolber is a licensed professional counselor and author of the critically acclaimed book, like I said, Try Softer. She has received additional training in her specialization of trauma and body-centered therapies and is also passionate about the integration of faith and psychology. As a survivor of trauma, Andy brings hard-won knowledge about the work of change, the power of redemption, and the beauty of experiencing God with us in our pain. So let's get into the conversation. Here's my conversation with Andy Kolber. Okay, Andy Kolber, thank you so much for joining me today on the Let It Matter podcast. Um, this is actually our second time chatting and your second time on the podcast, but the first time we talked, it was for the blog, yes. for the blog series I was doing on embodying faith um, and cut some of that audio. And it was actually our first uh, episode with an interview. What an honor. Uh, and has yeah. been the most downloaded episode as well. So oh, cool. um, thrilled to have your wisdom mm-hmm. uh, and your words back here today. Um, I At this point in, in the episode, I will have introduced you and given your bio and, and hopefully listeners already are following you and know of your work. Um, 
your most recent book that just came out, Strong Like Water. I want to start with this because I love what you are doing and sort of redefining mm-hmm. strength. Um, what does it mean, first of all, to be strong like water? And then what parts of us are served by redefining strength in this way? Mm, yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? Well, let me give you just a little bit of background to that. Um, I, I really wanted to write about this in part because, um, it is both a professional journey and a personal journey for me that, um, for so much of my life, I have been viewed as being strong. Like I, Mm -hmm. in my childhood, um, you know, I identify as being a survivor of trauma and was really often looked at as being a person who was like not worried about, who sort of people felt like were, was coping really well. And part of that was because some of my trauma responses were very socially accepted. <laughs> like they were <laughs> praiseworthy. Mm. And they were things like doing what you were told and tying yourself into pretzels for other people and overachieving Mm. and pushing yourself beyond your limits and people being like, how do you do that? And little did I know, like, oh, that's the trauma, (laughs) you know, like how do you know? I'm coping. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like my body thinks that my body thinks she doesn't have a choice. So I say that because I, for many years, um, before I even had the language that I developed in Strong Like Water, felt like I had this ambivalence towards the idea of strength. Like knowing deep inside of me, like I have a warrior self, like I have a self who is yeah. like, I will show up, you know, for me, often I think about mm-hmm. <laughs> like playing basketball. And like, I remember we used to run lines and like the kind of senses is like, that like that warrior self is like there's something in me that's like I will do whatever it takes to beat you to the line like I will get to that line mm. um and and so there's parts of that I just I'm so I mean I am grateful for there's that allowed me to survive a traumatic childhood there's yes. there's things about that that like I don't shame that in any way but part of my own healing has been around being able to say Maybe strength is bigger than just surviving. And so so my healing has come to be able, and really not just my healing, but then my work as a clinical therapist has been in seeing in my clients the courage required to drop into their body, to feel their feelings, to, as they are able, process past disturbing experiences. Like you cannot convince me that that is not strength. And I have seen it time and time again. And so what it did for me is it created this sense of like, there has to be a way to honor it all. And so strong like water is my attempt to give language to the expansiveness of strength, not only our survival strength, but also everything that is required to fully embody our humanity and to move through pain in ways that doesn't harm us. And that's what I'm always curious about. I'm like, yes, yes, you can do hard things. And can you do it in a way 
that doesn't ultimately leave you traumatized. Because mm. that's what I want for people. I want for people great. to not have to carry that with them their whole life. It, that's such a that's such a revolutionary thing, especially I think for women, um, because as we as uh, you know, just in recent let's say recent in terms of history, mm-hmm. recent days, women have become we've sort of reclaimed our voice, reclaimed our space, learned to take mm-hmm. up the space that we take or are learning to. Um, there is still such this, um, this, I don't know, this sort of feeling of needing to prove ourselves that we can do it the same way Mm. as men. Mm. And I prefer to think that we don't need to do it the same Mm. way as what the cultural acceptance for the way quote Mm. men have, have functioned and flourished and thrived, Mm. um, which I would not call functioning, flourishing, and thriving mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot mm-hmm. of ways in terms of suppressing emotion and mm. and um, independence and uh, things like that. But um, but I I I don't need I don't want us to feel the pressure to mm. perform in that same way. And so I love what you've done with this book. And it's not just a book for women; it's a it's mm. a book for everybody. Um, but I I particularly love the way that that redefining strength in the way that you are, which is the full embodiment of the human experience and whatever it shows up as. Mm-hmm. And the ability to move through those hard things without sacrificing ourselves. And in fact, mm-hmm. building our own um, strength and resilience. Resilience gets talked about a lot as a virtue. And I, and I, I, sh- I shudder almost at it because yeah, I hate that I we that. have to be. Right. Um, <laughs> well, but and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, go ahead. Yeah. No, I apologize for interrupting you because uh, I'm tracking with everything you're saying about how strength has been defined yeah. through a very male lens classically. Yeah. But also that resilience piece, I would I would put that even though the book is about strength, resilience as well is in that same category where it has at times been weaponized, right? Mm, Like, look how resilient you are. um, So you don't need any help. Since you're resilient, we don't need to change anything, right? Since you're able to go through this thing, great. That's it. That's the end. And, And it's so much more than that, right? Because this model of strong like water is about saying, listen, even when we look at what we mean by by how we define resilience neurobiologically and how mm-hmm. i look at that is through the lens of um, rupture and repair so this idea is that when we experience something that creates a rupture to our sense of safety and there's lots of different mm-hmm. kinds of safety but our overall yeah. sense of being able to have um a connection to our full self um when that is disrupted, if it is not repaired, that has the potential, first of all, to become trauma if it's significant enough. But here's mm-hmm. the thing, is that it is the safety itself. It is the return mm. to safety. That is the blueprint for resilience. And people miss this. This is what gets weaponized. They say, folks think, oh, give them lots of pain 
give, give them opportunities to experience lots of hardship, it will make them resilient. And, and I come from the lens that says, no, no, no life in general, being a human in general, there is plenty of hard to go around. And certainly that Mm -hmm. doesn't always get, um, given out in the same way to every person, depending on lots of different things. But what we most need is, is that repair is the repair that makes us the most resilient. So even that word I think that if we define it through the lens of like, oh, I'm resilient because I have community. I'm resilient because I'm so loved. I'm resilient because I can feel my feelings. I'm resilient yeah. because I set boundaries. I'm because resilient. Because I set boundaries. Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah. Because yes, I have yes. a voice. Like yeah. it's not, again, it's not the pain. We don't need to go out looking for the pain. The pain is there. Mm-hmm. The question is, can we put enough around the pain. And those are the people in the communities that will have what they need to move through the hard. That's so, that's so good. And I, and I want to be intentional to say this because we're two white women having this conversation that it is, um, it is largely people of color, Mm -hmm. women of color, black Mm -hmm. women, indigenous Mm -hmm. women, um, queer people, trans people who are expected to, mm. um, to, to have this sort of resilience and, to, and are praised for their resilience with no effort to, to mm. ameliorate or to, um, mitigate the hardship, yeah. uh, from the larger community, praising them for resilience. And, and so mm. I love the way that you sort of reframe that in terms of, uh, no, let's praise the resilience that sets boundaries. Let's praise the resilience that is in community. Let's praise the resilience, um, that, that uses the, their voice, Mm. um, not just somebody that it had this, what's, it hasn't killed them yet. That's right. Quotes makes them stronger. No, just because it hasn't killed them yet doesn't mean it won't first of all. And second of all, um, and second of all, that's, that's not the kind of strength I even want to be um, inspired by. Mm. That's exhausting and devastating to put on the shoulders of another person or to certainly to experience. And so I wanted to mention that. And I'm glad you you brought up safety. I was going to just briefly ask, you have a chapter called Safety is the Magic Ingredient. Um, And I have done an episode with my personal therapist about Mm. sort of being triggered after trauma Mm. and how to move through and and return to safety. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes for people listening. But um, can you just talk just for a second about what it feels like in our bodies, brains, behaviors, what it looks like when you when you have access to felt safety? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe versus a lack of it, just how to identify maybe you have returned or Mm. that you are experiencing its lack. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really love and appreciate what you just shared. And I also want to even just acknowledge that the concept of safety, though, I think it is so rich and obviously something I talk about a lot. Um, for some people, mm-hmm. it can be a little bit triggering even just to talk about safety. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to honor that is because for some people, they've never even known safety. And so it's almost like this mm-hmm. feeling of like, that's laughable, you know, like, like it's so outside, yeah. like it's so outside of their experience. And so for folks who might resonate with even that, what I want to say is, is that 
even though I'm going to use the terminology of safety, that I encourage you to, to also get curious about other language that resonates with you. So it could be things like, I use the word settled a lot because to me, mm. settledness is, is that's the impact of safety. So it's also like, if mm. that, if that feels more accessible to you, if, if, um, sometimes I talk about it through like the, like the body sensation of yeah. when you are with another person and you feel that sense, like you can fully and deeply just like exhale, like this too, like that, like is a sign that your body is is tapping in and getting cues of safety. Um, yeah. You know, people sometimes use the words like regulation. So I want to just encourage folks, if safety itself doesn't feel like it resonates, to, to get curious about your own experience of what else might you be looking for and how can you describe that? Because again, it's that self-attunement. It's less of like, mm-hmm. oh, I heard a lady talk about this and I need it to be exactly that. And more like in your own system and body, what do you, what are you able to receive? Because it is going to be just as effective. And if it, and if it is more in alignment with what your system can receive, then it's actually going to be more helpful. Um, And so I'll just say that to start. But when I'm talking about safety, um, I'll say a few things. The first is that I'm looking at it specifically through a neurobiological lens. And part of what that means is our body is constantly um, scanning for either threat or safety. And if we pick up enough threat, that is going to take us outside of our window of tolerance. And it's going to put us into, you know, in Strong Like Water, I talk about it like situational strength. We're going to get into that survival brain. Um, But it might be like a fight response, a flight response. You, You may begin to fawn people. Um, you may mm-hmm. start to dissociate. This is your body's um, information and cues. I don't feel safe. And so the opposite of that is when our we are bringing in enough cues. Now, with that, the cues could come from inside. The cues mm-hmm. could come from outside. And they can also come b- from between people. Um, mm-hmm. And so why this matters is, is that um, all three of those things inside of us, outside of us, and in between us, when those are present, we call that felt safety. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's like the trifecta of safety. Yeah. yeah. So here's what I want folks to hear. We live in a world that is legitimately often not safe. And that is real. And that's not a source of like, oh, you're bad because you can't. Like you're not experiencing safety. Mm -hmm. That is a real thing. Mm -hmm. But part of the work I try to do in Strong Like Water is to give people routes to connect to and find and sort of cultivate safety from any of those things. Oftentimes, it starts between people. So maybe you have no safety in your life, but you notice there's this one person and for whatever reason you are able to feel settled around them. That's a Mm -hmm. cue that your body is picking up some safety. And what's cool is that once you do that, any safety can be internalized and it can be a building block for more safety. Or Mm, let's say, let's say you can't find, you don't have people that feel safe. You don't feel safe internally, but 
like there are places you go. Like, let's say for me, like it, it used to be the ocean. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the ocean, there's something that shifts in you. Yeah. That's a cue of safety. And again, we can build on that to ultimately either internalize it or to bring it in a way to our relationships. And all of those things, it's sort of like is this upward cycle that Mm -hmm. safety begets safety. And every time we leave that sense of safety, but we return. Again, remember how I defined resilience. It's in the return. Every time we return to those moments, those glimmers, those even snapshots of safety, Mm -hmm. we are building resilience. We are building strength. And so all of Strong Like Water is built on the framework that that is how we build the most expansive strength in ourselves and in our communities. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it sets up perfectly the the last sort of two pieces I want to talk to you about from the book. And and I want to say this also for those who are listening, this, this book is full of resources, full of resources and um, activities and exercises and um, imaginative prompts and um, new vocabulary and mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, it's so rich. It's so rich in, uh, as a resource. And one of my favorite things to do is resource other people. I don't know if that has to do with Enneagram number or something, but like if something has served me well, mm-hmm. I can do no greater good to you than to give you mm-hmm. the thing that has served me so well, that has done me mm-hmm. such good. And so, um, and so I want to say that to those listening, get this book, <laughs> get this book. Um, we'll also do a giveaway with the, with this episode release. Um, and so people make sure you, you check uh, for details on that. But, um, one of the things I would specifically love to talk to you about is the chapter, you have a chapter on inner trust is what you call it mm. in the book. Um, learning to trust our very own selves. I, want to spend a little time on this because particularly people with evangelical backgrounds and particularly women in those evangelical backgrounds um, have been taught that we cannot trust our thoughts, mm-hmm. our emotions, our bodies, our instincts, or our desires. Um, our our minds are a part of the fall. Our bodies mm-hmm. are part of the fall. We can't trust anything that comes from them. Can you just maybe walk us through some some real practical steps and practices mm-hmm. um, for recognizing our inner trustworthiness mm-hmm. um, and then rebuilding that trust with our own selves. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that's such an important thing because, um, you know, how do we identify if the message that's coming to us from us is mm-hmm. fear or if it's, um, you know, an unhealthy fear or if it's good fear or if it's, um, instinct that is good and right and dead on. How do we discern those things and how do we rebuild trust with ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a great, this is such an important topic. And in many ways, I think is it's at the heart of strong like water because I Mm -hmm. imagine this process as it's sort of like often we begin with again, safety outside of us. 
And the goal is actually mm-hmm. for the safety to begin to live in us because that is yes. what allows us to go into spaces that are in some ways not completely safe, but because we carry it in us, it allows us to show up. And not that mm-hmm. we can necessarily make our home in that place that's right. unsafe, but it gives us a tether to something that keeps us whole, right? So mm-hmm. as just a side, as a as sort of a beginning caveat, um, one thing I wanted to say is, you know, I actually talk about this also in Try Softer, but what mm-hmm. I see in a lot of, whether it's evangelical or just like Western culture, is the remnants of Gnosticism. And in, in Trisopter, I call that functional Gnosticism. And it's this, it's this idea that we, we might say we believe in an incarnational God. But when it comes down to it, what we value is essentially this idea of spirit is the only thing that matters. Yeah. It's not the body, which is like in direct contradiction to the reality of Jesus's life on earth as a, as a human, right. fully human, fully God, fully human. And that has been so deeply disregarded. And, and, and yeah. I have some theories about that in terms of some of the trauma that exists in our culture and why mm-hmm. we are almost like not even like, it's almost a, a subconscious fear to, to drop into the body because it's, feels so overwhelming because when you have not been connected to the body, it's actually, we find ways to stay disconnected from the body. Uh, Um, And so all that to say, part of, there is a big connection between embodiment and inner trust. And so, uh, you know, so we've got a culture that in particular, there's already power dynamics that oftentimes um, values masculinity or what is seen as masculinity, which right. is not always necessarily the truth, right? Because there is right. a, oftentimes men are also not able to live into the fullness of who they are. Um, right. But, but so when that happens, right, there is a, there is a, there is a, a sense that people learn they pick up mm-hmm. the implicit message, your body, not just implicit, also explicit message mm-hmm. that your body is bad and your body doesn't give you in- the right information, even though there's lots of nuance with even, you know, within the biblical text about bodies and about, yes, there are certainly ways that we can go astray. Things can go sideways. We are human. We are not perfect. We make mm-hmm. mistakes. We hurt each other. Those things are real. But when we disregard our bodies, we lose the internal God-given wisdom that is ours. And yeah. so when we have a, a, a posture of we have been told and taught to hate ourselves in this specific way, mm-hmm. we are creating a situation with ourselves wherein most of the information that is available to us, we can't tap into mm. because we've made the relationship dire. We, we, we have made it unsafe um, and not because we necessarily want to, it's because we feel that we have to. We yeah. feel that if we don't, we will be shamed. 
we will be yeah. told how bad we are or wrong we are, right? So we do these things because we feel that we have to. And so yeah. the journey of internal trust, in my opinion, is about, it really is along that flow of strength work. Um, and, and I think this is both for men and women. And, and for women, um, this is particularly, there can be more pushback. It's like, who do you think that you are <laughs> trusting yourself? Who do you mm -hmm. think that you are taking up space? Who do you think yeah. that you are having a voice? Who do you think that you are having confidence in yourself? I mean, I certainly have experienced that pushback. And I know Absolutely. that others um, with marginalized identities um, also, yes. like anyone who doesn't fit the categories of what we are supposed to, in quotes, keep our, you know, keep your head down yeah. and, and fit in the way that you're supposed to fit in. So, so that I think this journey is in many ways, a journey of embodiment. It's a journey of having enough safety that it becomes mm -hmm. internalized and it, mm -hmm. and the internalization of the safety is the thing that begins to say, okay, I'm like doubting myself. But like, here's a time that someone showed up for me, even when I felt like I was taking up too much space. Oh yeah. I remember mm -hmm. what that's like. Um, you know, like I find for a lot of my clients, what begins to happen is they start to hear my voice. <laughs> this is so, this kind of sounds weird, but I think it's a real, it's a real thing. Like people who have been uh -huh. trustworthy in your life. Like, so for some people, yes. maybe it's their caregiver, right? But for many people who didn't mm -hmm. have good enough parenting, it might be other people. It could be mentors or friends. When they get into difficult situations, they begin to hear, oh, well, what would so-and-so say about what I should do in this difficult situation? And these, yeah. these are all, this is all safety. This is all resourcing. Because what's happening mm -hmm. is that it no longer lives outside of you. It now lives inside mm -hmm. of you, right? Um, one mm -hmm. of the things, you know, to bring in a little bit of faith integration, um, mm -hmm. I, one of the verses I love is that we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us. Mm. And I bring up that verse because for me, like this is internalized safety. This is like mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus is basically like, like, I love you. I got you. I'm coming for you. Like, you're my beloved. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. And it's like that language I always carry around in my body so that, right? Mm -hmm. This is the language of in, that internalized safety. And, yeah. and there are all of those moments of goodness we continue to build on. And it's like mm -hmm. what it does is that it literally builds a template. In the same way that like, not that we are computers, but like the analogy being that if you have programs that your body yeah. runs from, yeah, you are building a very um, formidable program that says, I know how to show up to my life. I have mm -hmm. people I can trust. I have what I need. I am not perfect, but I'm capable. Uh -huh. And so all of these things, like this is 
like almost it, another way to put it is it's like it forms an internal like like a wise self a yeah. internalized parent that is like listen of course you're not perfect but like i got you <laughs> i'm not going mm-hmm. anywhere um mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean i think it is this it's again it's like one of these things where it's going to look a little bit different for each person depending yeah. on their history and their journey um but i am so confident that this is something that is possible in all of us, um, given yeah. the support and resources that we need. So, and so what I hear you saying essentially is it's just building on, it's building on a new history. So it's, it's, it's a time when you experienced internalized safety um, and, and, and sort of resourcing yourself with that mm. and then continuing to build on like just the same way that you would build trust with someone either who had broken it in the past or who you didn't know in the past and you were being introduced to you would you would build trust um through like okay they came through that time and then the next time you needed to to lean on them you could call to mind last time we did this they came through that's right yes no that's a right and so in so in your in your with yourself. Oh, my body sent me this message, right? Mm -hmm. Last time I was in this environment and it was true. I needed to rest or I was hungry or I needed connection with someone or, um, I did need to just drink some water. (laughs) I need need a nap, whatever it was. My body was correct in that messaging. And so what it's telling me now, maybe I can honor and listen and trust that. Is that sort of kind of what I hear you saying? Yes. No, I love yes that in a flow of strength. Yes, because it's sort of like the safety builds the trust and the trust continues to be built because we attune to it. So it's like I'm listening mm. to the cues, just like I would listen yeah. to someone I care about. And you're yeah. exactly right. It is a relationship. It's an internal relationship with our body, with our parts. And that when we listen, we get mm-hmm. better and better at accurately perceiving the information, right? So this is an important concept. I really love how you summarize that because it's like, it's when I say our body speaks, it's not like our body's like, hey, I'm typing out a message. (laughs) Hope you're reading it. It's like, no, no, no. When I'm with this person, I'm noticing a knot in my stomach. I wonder what that's about. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then I have Mm -hmm. the space and the curiosity to be like, well, they do like the way that they are looking at me is reminding me of a situation that happened in the past. Yes. And then I'm exploring that. And then I'm able to decipher like, is this really a threat or is this more about the past or is it a little bit of both? And do I need to have a little bit more firmer boundaries with this person? You know, yes. so this is the journey where it's like, it is information, but we also learn to listen from a place yeah. of that, that, curiosity, that compassion, um, if mm-hmm. compassion's not accessible, even just a non-judgmental posture. And mm-hmm. then, and then we begin to, it sort of in good faith, act on yeah. the information, like in the same way, it's like, I'm thirsty, right? This is again, this is like a very simple example. Like, how do you know you're thirsty? Well, mm-hmm. your body's giving you some sensations and there've been enough times that every time you're thirsty, you take a drink of water and you're like, "Oh, that helps." 
right? That actually is a very simple example of self-trust. This is just you, your body has a need, you listen to the need, you respond to the need, your body says, I'm good, cool. Yeah. It's the same framework, but it does get, when it comes to other topics like, do I want to connect with this person? Do I want to be in that space? Should I take on this new responsibility? Our body Mm. also is giving us information, important information that is not always accessible from a cognitive place. But again, because our bodies are constantly scanning for safety, the cognition may not be picking up the nuances that the body is. So this is why it matters, right? Like, again, with like sort of the evangelical piece, we mm-hmm. have taught folks to implicit, like like blindly follow mm-hmm. folks who are maybe in leadership, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we have simultaneously taught them to not listen to their body. This mm-hmm. is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Lots of power and, and folks with no ability to discern their internal experience What happens is, is that even when there are a hundred red flags, folks are disconnected from their internal God-given wisdom. Yes. Yes. And so that's a long road of repair. There's a lot that needs to happen, but I think at least part of it is Mm -hmm. learning to re-inhabit our God-given bodies. That is a, it's um, a perfect transition to the last little section I want to talk to you about. And, and I love how well you just, you know, that sort of just flowed into this. Uh, The last piece I want to talk to you about is integration. Mm. And, um, and I'll give you an example that ties the last, the last topic and integration together. When I, well, I am a, I'm an Enneagram eight and which, so we have a, we're our, our gut sort of center. I, f- I feel in my body, very big feelings, mm-hmm. um, particularly anger, but other ones as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also injustice. I have a very high justice meter. And so, mm-hmm. um, when something doesn't feel just, I feel it in my physical body. Okay. So I, in my, uh, evangelical church that I left in 2019, um, I also am a survivor of sexual assault and, and the church was on the cover of the New York times twice that year for having failed to handle allegations of abuse and, and a lawsuit and things, uh, in, in an appropriate way. Um, and so I was sitting in church having, um, I mean, basically a panic attack. It hadn't happened to me. I, I, nothing was happening right that moment, but I was, I kept feeling, I don't feel safe here. If this would have happened to me, I don't feel safe with how it would be handled. Da, 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 da. And so I couldn't, no matter how many meetings I had with people, no matter how many conversations I had with leadership, I couldn't get past that feeling. And once I left, I realized also, and I found the Episcopal church. So it's a sacramental sort of theology. There's the kneeling, the lighting candles, the incense, mm-hmm. the artwork in the room. It is a far more embodied, mm-hmm. physiologically embodied um, 
practice, a, a way to worship, way to express worship. And I felt parts of myself come back together. I didn't even know I had siloed off because I didn't know it was an option. I didn't grow up around the Episcopal Church. And so all I had felt was siloed off from parts of myself, the parts of myself that were politically more progressive than my evangelical church was. And, um, and even parts of myself that wanted to be more theologically progressive, but I thought I, I there's just no box for that to yeah. exist in Christ, in the Christianity that I knew. Mm-hmm. And so it took, I mean, months and years, and it's still, I think, in the process of happening, but this sort of feeling of parts of me coming back that mm-hmm. I had had to silo off once I started listening to the message in my body mm-hmm. saying, I don't. I don't feel safe here or, or I can't stay here or whatever that is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I I feel like that's a good example of integration. I wonder if you could just talk just for a little bit. We have a few Mm -hmm. minutes left, um, about strength through integration and and what, what it means. How does, how do we know when it's happening? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I know you're not alone yeah. in, in so much of the pain of, uh, of what you're naming. And so, um, but yeah, I think what you're, one of the things that I believe to be true, I've seen this often in my clinical work, I've seen it in my own life, is that our body often will give us information when it perceives that we are ready to receive it. And so one of the things that I think is interesting about the story you tell is that, again, with the safety, our body also cues into like, Mm -hmm. I won't even touch this right now, right? You think about how many trauma survivors dissociate things for years, decades, and it will often not be until they have enough safety that the body is like, Mm. okay, now we're ready. And so that readiness is a precursor to the integration, right? Mm. And the readiness comes, again, from the safety, from the resourcing that is present, that cues to the body, now it is time. Woo, hold on. That just made me cry. (laughs) Woo. That's so sweet and tender of our bodies to do for us. It is, it is. And and I think that's why I'm always just honoring just, you know, I, I will say like our beloved bodies, you know, like these yes. bodies that, yes. <coughs> excuse me, have held so <laughs> much, right? They have done mm. so much to keep us safe. They're often so exhausted, um, mm. which is why oftentimes, you know, when they can't survive any longer, like sometimes it can turn into things like chronic illness and um, there are multiple ways that our bodies are like, I'm sorry, that's all I could do, you know? And so I just, with the integration piece, what I would just say is that there are lots of different ways we we could talk about integration. I'm not, I won't talk about them all, Um, but part of it, especially through the flow of strength is that Mm -hmm. as our body perceives we have enough safety, we will tap into the internal sort of, um, mechanisms of our body that allow us to metabolize experiences that, you know, I mean, all experiences ultimately are what we are wanting to metabolize, but, but disturbing experiences 
often feel too overwhelming, overwhelming to the nervous system. And they don't, so our body goes, sorry, I can't process that. It's too big. Mm-hmm. So it gets sort of stored away. It's like, I'm going to carry that in like some rocks in my backpack, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just lugging around these gigantic boulders because basically my body is like, I can't carry it or I can't, I can't digest mm-hmm. it. So in yeah. many ways, integration is the process of metabolizing the experience yeah. so that it can be correctly and adequately um, woven into mm-hmm. the fullness of who we are. And when, yeah, do you want to say something there? Well, I was just going to say, I love, I remember you using the word metabolize when we had our conversation about try softer and it has given that, that specific word has given me language for the, for what I want to do with all mm. of my experiences, but even the ones that, um, that are trauma, because when you're metabolizing, right? You, you hold on to what's good or what serves you. That's right. That is so, that's exactly it. (laughs) And that's really where I go in Strong Like Water. And, and Mm -hmm. in many ways is my, one of my big hopes that people, as they do this work is that I want them to see like the parts of you that you felt like you couldn't connect to. Those are not, the parts are not bad. They are you. What we're trying to do is make it possible to almost like slough off, right? To metabolize the disturbing parts of the story so that Mm -hmm. the fullness of you can exist without the trauma locking them up. And Mm -hmm. and so ultimately I think of integration as that, that whole sort of synthesis that it's, it's not only are we able to adequately metabolize the pain, we then also keep the goodness. Yeah. We bring the goodness with us. Oh man, isn't she just wonderful? Oh, that was my conversation with the always wise and soulful Andy Kolber. My thanks again to her for joining me today. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Kolber, that's A-U-N-D-I-K-O-L-B-E-R, or on her website at ondikolber.com. I will link to these in the show notes, of course. Before we go, if you could, please take just a moment to pause this episode before the benediction and hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you're listening in Apple, leaving a rating and a review is so huge and would mean so much to me. It also helps a ton to put this podcast in front of more people. Um, And so if it's something that you enjoy, I would love if you would help me do that. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now, according to our little tradition, as we close out, I offer you this benediction. It was actually written by Andi Kolber, and it appears at the end of her book, Strong Like Water, on page 239. Let's pray. May you internalize in your very flesh and bones the kind gaze of the incarnational God who fashioned you, loves you, and calls you beloved. May you find safety in places you never dreamed and compassion 
in the unlikeliest of connections. May every moment of goodness you experience begin to create a reservoir of hope in your body from which you can draw whenever you need. May each of your senses be attuned to the glimmers of beauty and healing wherever they are available. And when pain and difficulty come, may you have the courage and tenacity to honor them while also accessing the compassionate resources that are available to you. In those times when you worry about being both too much and not enough, I hope you'll remember that just as your softness is a gift, so is your fire. And may you know in the depths of yourself that healing is always, always sacred work. Nothing you do to turn with compassion toward yourself or another will go to waste because healing is worth the risk and the work. Amen. <laughs>